Hey, before we get going on this week's show, just a reminder, we have a YouTube channel where we have cooking, gardening, beekeeping videos. I fix the tractor once in a while. It's kind of a fun channel. Uh, head on over there and take a look. Number two, go to our website where you will find some recipes. I'm constantly populating that with new recipes. Uh, we just revised the website. At that site, you can also purchase our vinegars and oils, our balsamic vinegars and oils, and a couple of other products. Number three, if you're at the website and you're going to purchase something through Amazon, please use our link uh, at the website. That gives us a small commission. Anything you purchase, we get a small commission, and it helps support the habit that we have of podcasting and YouTubing. Now let's get on with our show with Rianne Grealish. And I'm going to just tell you, if you ever need an inspiration, this is the woman you'd like to know because nothing stops her. I cannot believe the thing she's involved with is just incredible. So without further ado, let's get going and listen to Brianne. Thanks. How you doing, Bree? I'm good, Dave. So excited to be here today. Yeah, this is fun. It's been a little while since we had a podcast out, but it's kind of been this COVID thing's been kind of nuts, and I'm trying to line people up. And I talked with Bree the other day and said, Bree, you want to be on the podcast? And she jumped right on that. So, Bree, tell us a little bit about yourself and in the fingerless kitchen. Oh yeah, you know, um, oh the fingerless kitchen. <laughs> I, you know, years ago I had this idea to write a cookbook to teach and inspire people with disabilities to learn how to cook. And I gave up on that dream because I was like, you know, who am I to write this book? And then just a few years ago, I quit my social work job to start a catering company, um, the Fingerless Kitchen. I went and got uh, counseling services through the Wise Women's Business Center. And I started this mini catering company. And what happened with that is I realized that uh, the catering company wasn't exactly for me. And the idea for that cookbook just kept nagging at me. And so with today's day, and we've got all these amazing ways to reach people online, I decided to take the fingerless kitchen and start turning it into um, a show uh, to teach and inspire people with disabilities to learn how to cook. We're also bringing kind of everybody else on with me um, because really cooking is for everyone, right? And so, right. and people with disabilities have been left out of the cooking world I mean, since as far as I can remember. I, you know, there weren't cookbooks for people like myself um, because the Fingerless Kitchen is based on my disability uh, called ectrodactyly, ectodermal dysplasia. And so really, I end up having one finger on each hand. Uh, and I just saw this lack of representation for my community of people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so it was my love of cooking, my love of helping people, and this idea I had maybe eight or more years ago really just popped up for me about maybe a year and a half ago to being um, something more than just a, you know, a dream of a cookbook to actually yeah. reach people in the world with disabilities and also show people without disabilities that you can do amazing things <laughs> when you actually take your limitations and turn them into opportunities. It's a matter of perspective. Absolutely. Yep. 
Okay. So tell me, how long have you been goofing around in kitchens? Because have you like grown up? Were you cooking with mom and dad? And oh yeah. So I I started my first cooking adventure when I was eight with a grilled cheese sandwich. Okay. <laughs> and because I love cheese, and grilled cheese was like one of my favorites as a kid, but. My father, I'm one of 10 adopted children, and my father was a quadriplegic. He was in a wheelchair from a car accident that nearly took his life when he was oh, 20. Nice. So I had, my father was the main cook in the house. My mom did cooking too, but my father was really like the one you saw more often in the kitchen. And he was cooking for a huge load of family every night and he had limited dexterity in his hands mm -hmm. and you know he couldn't stand to to reach things in the, in the kitchen and of course i was the climber in the family so i was always up on the counter grabbing stuff for him but he, he was my he's one of my inspirations really because i got to watch my father do whatever he wanted in life despite what what happened to him when he was 20 right despite losing yeah. the ability to move most of his body. You know, he still went in the kitchen, made lots of huge meals. Um, and it, it just, he was my inspiration. So I was in there a lot watching him and yeah, just paying attention to everything he did. That's very inspirational because you would think somebody with that, that disability would kind of kick back and say, forget it. But your dad just dove in and away he went, right? Yep. That's yep. neat. And that inspired you? Oh, yeah. I Just watching him was always really inspiring to me. Of course, I was worried about him because, you know, I was my dad. And, you know, having a disability that affects most of your body, I, I used to worry about him out in the world. But at sure. home, you know, he just he could take charge in that kitchen and serve a little small army of family members. Yeah, right. You said and, 10 kids? Yeah, total. Yep. Holy cows. That's big. Yeah, that's a lot of us. <laughs> that's a lot of chopping and dicing. Yeah, that's for sure. Thanksgiving was big. So you've been cooking for a while. Did you cook professionally at all? Well, I did my catering company. I, I you know, I haven't been in a commercial kitchen. I, I helped out at my son's school um, with another mother to do, to run the um, the lunchroom for the kids. Uh, it was mostly like family who ran the lunchroom at my son's school. I did that okay. part-time for a few, like a year and a half. And then I also, um, I did hospitality management at SU and doing social work as well. And so I took um, culinary classes at SU and learning how to run a restaurant and start one and business ethics, accounting, you know, all, all those fun things you need to know sure. when you're running a business. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I did a lot of cooking. We actually ran like a mini cafe one of the semesters. So we had like five or six groups of students. We uh, came up with menus. We designed the restaurant. We ran all of the different stations. You know, we took our turns running through all the different stations, front of the house, back of the house, even like delivery and down to actually the cleanup too. Someone got to do dish duty. It's all, so it's all part of the game, yeah. It's all part of the game. I didn't do any like real professional out at a restaurant kitchen, but I have 
I've had some experience in there, but it was really that yeah. love of cooking that I just wanted to dive right in. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were growing up, did you have a lot of different kinds of uh, kinds of meals, like uh, ethnic, different ethnic meals? You know, not as not as much. I, you know, I think my family had kind of like their staple things that they liked to okay. make. Um, yeah. My, my parents were on the Irish side, so um, okay. we didn't have really traditional. I, and Irish I asked that. Food. Yeah, I asked that question specifically because I, you and I have talked before, and for people listening, I've never seen anybody dive into as many different cuisines and things. You are just going nuts out there with the, you know, like everything. Now you're, you, you said, we talked the other day and you were talking about making cheese and mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's an endeavor in itself. And you've got like pizza ovens and stuff that you've built. And, and now you want to get into uh, charcuterie, the art yeah. of preserving meats and sausage. And that's well, a lot of work. You know- it, it is a lot of work. And so, you know, my parents didn't act. I mean, I found out later that my mom used to go out to Thai restaurants and they went out for Indian. They didn't cook that at home mm-hmm. and they weren't bakers either. So I took up the baking as my first real push into, into all this was I was, I became the baker in the house. And mm-hmm. it's only as I started getting older and really, I read cookbooks. I, I know for people who like food, they don't understand that. <laughs> but, you know, I read yep. cookbooks for fun. And I've learned from friends and other people in my life that continue to introduce me to another style of food. And once you do that, once you dive into another culture's cuisine, I just start getting interested on in what else somebody else's cuisine is like. And yep. how some of the same ingredients change a dish across cultures right and, and how true? the flavors it's amazing and it becomes this real kind of cultural exploration as well as a food one to find the things that i truly enjoy and the only way mm-hmm. you find it is by well you got to try it you gotta try it for yourself um kind of it's an exploration it really just is pretty much that and i i get all tickled pink about trying new things um I've never been one to ease my way into things. I usually dive in before I'm ready. (laughs) It doesn't sound it. No, I I usually dive in. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because going back in these trying times that we're living in through right now, I think a lot of people are are starting to, to look at food I mean, how many people are growing gardens now? That's crazy. Growing your own food. It's just people are, yeah, it's nuts. nuts. And looking at different cuisines. We had here, what we've been doing is like every week we have cuisine from a different culture. We had Ethiopian, uh, uh, Eritrean, Syrian, Indian, Pakistani. We were just, and it was neat because we got to try different foods. But one of the things that I've always looked at is food is brings everybody together. Because if you look at food, let's take, uh, seafood soups, stews, for instance, like you have chipino, the Italian chipino, and you have bouillabaisse. And then every culture has the same foods. They call it a different thing. It just modify the agreements, ingredients to 
what they have available to them. But it's basically really the same thing. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So is this so this is kind of crazy that we're at each other's throats, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress there for a minute. So you enjoy cooking everything. You're baking and doing some fun baking things. Mm-hmm. I really, I just, it's kind of like whatever strikes me at the moment, I'm going, oh, let's try it. <laughs> I Is even, that true? Um, yeah, I, I do. We even, my husband and I have actually made mead. So honey wine. Yep. And so straight mead, not uh, cut with any like grape wine. Like this is okay. honey, water, and yeast. And a yep. lot of time um, we've, we've dove in there. And that, that was an adventure. We actually made some pretty decent stuff. Um, wow. So Now, I that's something you would think that we would have done here, mead, because we've got the bees and everything. But I've never made mead. I don't know why. Because it's, it's a fermentation good. thing. Yeah, and I and love, I love really fermentation. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it gets really alcoholic, and I mean the fermentation, as I know we were just chatting about the other day, is fermentation is so essential to so many things that we eat. Oh yeah. Right, and it's it's flavor. Yep. It's a, it, it transforms a simple, simple ingredient into something spectacular. Sure. Pickles. I mean, just look at bread, sourdough breads. That's mm-hmm. you know, pickles and you know, alcoholic beverages and kombucha and sauerkraut. Yeah, fermentation's fun stuff. I do a lot of that, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd like to do more of that. So yeah, I, I want to do more too. Yeah. So getting back to the finger was catching mm-hmm. for a minute because you had a thing <laughs> that you were doing before this COVID thing. It was called the Chef Challenge, correct? It was. Yeah, it's the No Thumbs Chef Challenge. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So this came from an idea of, of, from a teacher in elementary school uh, trying to help the kids in class understand my disability more. And it okay. was taping up the students' hands so they only had pinkies, and then they had to write and stuff. And so at a workshop, I came up with the idea of doing that with chefs. And it was to go into chef, local chef's kitchens, taping up their hands so it mimics my disability, so only their pinkies, and challenging them to do simple kitchen tasks, something they mm-hmm. would do every single day as part of their job, and see how they do. Yeah. And, it, you know, for me, it's, well, one is just fun because I get to go into chef's kitchens. I get to meet some really cool people. I get to tape them up and say, here, look, now you're like me and let's do this. (laughs) Let's go to town. (laughs) Let's go to town. Let's have some fun. Let's race and see how fast you are. Uh, And what I found amazing about the chefs that I've met, they were nervous. I mean, because most chefs think you need your hands, right? Like you need all your fingers to cook. Sure. And what I've been able to show people, these chefs and others, is that you don't need all of your fingers to cook in the kitchen. And that these chefs were actually able to do these tasks. Well, may, they may struggle in the beginning, yet they were still able to do the task and in a short period of time. So they really show you how adaptable a person can be, mm-hmm. uh, even in the moment that we've taken almost everything away that they're used to using. 
And yeah. that's kind of what I'm trying to show people is this adaptability in a kitchen where I think usually disability isn't thought of. Yep. Uh, you know, in social work and, and some jobs I've had before working with adults with disabilities, we I did teach them how to cook. You know, that was kind of goals that I worked on with people was how do we cook in the kitchen for the disability that they have. Um, but it's not it's not a common thought around the world. And as mm -hmm. you were saying before, food really connects us. I mean, that's where people socialize. That's where life happens, right? This is yeah. where people come together. Yet people with disabilities are left out of that. And mm -hmm. in order for us to lift each other up and continue to be a part of the community, that we need to bring people with disabilities into it and let them see that they can make wonderful food. And how do we also, as somebody without a disability, right, how do you help somebody in the kitchen with you? Because sure. I do understand that not all disabilities are going to be able to do everything. It still doesn't mean they can't be a part of that that social interaction that that community that's happening in the kitchen it's sure. we talk about kids being in the kitchen we talk you know we talk about every dietary restriction that people have in the kitchen it's just we've left out a demographic of people that spans every single demographic across the globe sure right yeah, and so I, yeah it's time to get some representation up in here yeah and you know you're inspiring from another standpoint because i you know i looked through your site and when we talked and it's, it's like you're inspiring from the aspect that i think a lot of people have self-imposed disabilities and that's like oh i can't mm -hmm. do that you know, it's one of those things where i was talking with somebody the other day and they said oh you can't do that and i thought well you know you just told me i can't but i don't know it until i try it myself yeah. you're getting over that mental hurdle of like you try it. You don't know. Mm -hmm. You never know until you try. Exactly. Yeah. And boy, you are the epitome of that. I'll tell you. you just. <laughs> well, that, that's how I've lived my life. Now, of course, I do get stuck in some of those when, when learning to run a business and all of this, you know, of course you get in your head. But when it's come to my disability, my whole life has been that. It's like, okay, I don't have fingers, but let's do pottery. And so I took pottery course in, <laughs> at SU. And yep. it, it, I found out that my hands are perfect for shaping pottery. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I just, you know, my, my teacher looked at me and goes, you've never done this before? And I was like, nope. He's <laughs> like, well, you would have fooled me. And I was like, oh, there we go. Didn't know my hands were perfect for it. And, and I used to sew my own clothes. I sewed my wedding dress and my husband's um, wow. attire for that. I I learned to knit using my armpits. I you know I was out in the garden yesterday just digging and transplanting and doing stuff. So my hands have been come become my opportunity to say, oh I bet I could do that right. It's like let's see if I can do it and how I can do it. And I make right. jewelry too, not beaded jewelry, but I actually do um, like metal wrapping and i use two sets of pliers and and all sorts of stuff but of course that's taking a back seat to this whole thing of this kitchen <laughs> right yeah just like you're not busy enough yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. 
Well, you, uh, I mean, it's like, it sounds to me like you, you see a wall, like, okay, let's go. <laughs> We're going over it or around it somehow. Yeah. Let's get it done. Yep. And my mom always told me, I just usually rammed through things. Like that was, <laughs> that was my personality growing up. It was like, and we're going the hard way. We're diving right through the middle. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I done with this business. Well, I re- like, All right. <laughs> yeah. I remember when you were going through the wise program uh, and I met you, that's where I first met you. And mm-hmm. uh, I was there and you were talking, you had just finished with your counselor and I was like, wow, that woman doesn't stop. It's like, she's going to figure something out. And I thought, that's pretty cool. More people should be like that. That's yeah, pretty neat. I, I hope more people can be like that. And I want more people to be like that because there's so much that you can enjoy in life when you just kind of just jump. And you, you know you're scared and you don't know all the answers, but then we can jump. And I, as I said before, I still have problems with this myself. And I get nervous. I worry about what people are going to think. Not usually about my hands, but other stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. Because really, yeah, really, just me. Yep. You know, when I went to culinary school, I I went to the Culinary Institute of America. Uh, graduated there 16 years ago now. And uh, somebody said to me, my brother said, he goes, how did you do that? And I said, do what? He goes, you just like, you went, you, ch- if, you know, you're 48 years old, you went to culinary school. And yeah. it's like, yeah. And it's like, I just put one foot in front of the other and you start walking, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you take the challenges as they come. But I think a lot of our, in society, a lot of our challenges are more self-imposed, like I said earlier. So yeah, they definitely are. Yeah. They get mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about a challenge that you took on that I didn't take on yet, but boy, you've got me thinking about it. Now you were telling me the other day you built a pizza oven. You and your husband built a pizza oven, an outdoor pizza yeah. oven. Was it right? Yes, it is. And so the book I have, they call it, it's called two different, like they'll name it either an earth oven or a cob oven. Okay. And so, yeah. And so we had this book for years before we actually acted on it because of course, I got the book all gung-ho about it, and then we froze because we're like, oh, how in the heck are we actually going to do this? There was so much information, <laughs> and I was like, this is going to get expensive, and the point was to do it without getting expensive. And then one year, we decided to just, it's the dive, right? We're like, forget this. Stop worrying about it, and we're just going to jump into doing that. And, oh, yeah, we, we built it out of everything from pallets and wine bottles and clay sand from our yard. And where we were talking before, we dug into our deep, into our yard and found clay. And found clay. And that's what you were using to pack it. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. And we invited some friends to help, some family. And the best part of this is like uh, stomping grapes. You actually had a huge tarp out, tons of dirt and (laughs) clay and sand. And we're barefoot stomping on clay until we get it to the right consistency and like the kids were involved and I think the neighbor's grand little grandkids came over and everybody's just getting muddy and nasty. <laughs> That's funny. Now is oh. this did you did you well, add like straw or anything to it? Like yeah, we did. So yeah, so we ended up adding straw on the second layer. The first okay. um the first shaped layer is the sand and the clay. 
And then this outside layer, which is the insulation, was the clay sand and straw. Mm-hmm. And so that, and so we made a small one, and we've cooked like everything in it so far. <laughs> well, not everything. Sure. We've done pizzas, we've done pita breads, we've done. Um, I have thrown like a couple sourdough type loaves in there. We've roasted mm-hmm. chicken. I've smoked pork tenderloin. I've uh, roasted vegetables and eggplant to make baba ganoush. We've done granola and cookies and a pie and um, even finished now, off to a, eat with yogurt. Is this like an igloo style or is it like just a like a greenhouse kind of thing? It's it's kind it's shaped kind of like an igloo. It doesn't have kind of that that part that comes out towards you. You can build it yep. that that little like entrance. Where ours is just a cut opening that we um, okay. created a little wood door with. You make like a wood yep. door and you soak it in water. So mm-hmm. that while it's heating, it won't, you know, catch on fire. Cooking, it won't catch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. Yeah. And you, so you load this up with, with wood, get a fire going in there, and you start cooking in it. Yeah. So you have to let it go for a few hours, depending on how long you want to cook. Uh, mm-hmm. You kind of let it go for a long time. And we usually do about two hours with a good hot fire going in it. And then we cook our pizzas with some wood fire going while we cook them. Yep. And then we scrape mm-hmm. it all out and then start doing our other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Gets... But you... Yeah, they get hot. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how hot it can get in there and yeah, and how much thermal mass that like it, the, the thermal mass really just holds all of this heat and you can cook all day. Soups and stews on, on one and load of wood. On well, yeah, you have to kind of feed it as it goes along. But yeah, okay. out of one firing, one fire, you you just you could bake and cook all day long. That's wild. Pretty That's awesome. neat. So, what else have you got going? We talked about uh, you, you were talking about cheese. You're making cheese. You're thinking of making cheese. Yeah, I've got some. I've got some stuff now. <laughs> I've got some. <laughs> I've got some cultures and I've got some baskets and some like little liners and I've got the instructions. I just need to now go do it. <laughs> I haven't yeah. done it yet because something always seems to be coming up. Uh, it's actually, I really do. Yeah. It's not, it's not that hard. I made camembert one time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I made camembert one time and I got through the stage where I had the, the, the rounds were made and I had them in the refrigerator and everything was going well. And then they got a black mold on them. I was like, well, I thought I could scrub that off with salt. And I learned that you can't do that, but nope. it's the hardest part of it is getting the humidity and temperature correct for aging. Getting a little yeah. Cheese yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. We have a nice little wine fridge that we were gonna, it's got temperature control on it. So you can really yep. kind of set it to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's just coming up with that that humidity part of it. Um, yeah, I've got to figure out how I wanted to tackle that. But really, I I want to make some mozzarella. I just or some burrata. I know it's quick and you know kind of a quick and easier one. But my my goal. This is my goal, and I I keep missing this goal every year. I swear <laughs> it has to be this year. I want to do some lasagna this year. 
Yep. So in the summer, so I want to make the pasta and I want to make the sauce from local tomatoes and the cheese, at least the mozzarella part of the cheese to be my cheese or the ricotta to be my cheese. Yep. And actually use everything as local or I made it to be put in that lasagna and actually yeah. have a lasagna that's a central New York flavored lasagna. <laughs> well, you, for your green, oh, for your pasta, <clears throat> I think there's a, in Casanova, there's Gianforte Farm. Have you heard of them? I, you know, I don't, it sounds familiar, but I, I don't think. I'll send you a link to that. Yeah, uh, but they have like gigantic, uh, uh, we got gigantic farm. We got all kinds of grains out there. Uh, I mean, you know, wheat, oats, everything. And then there's also a couple for your cheeses. There's down in Truxton, uh, which is south of us here. Yeah. Is um, oh, what's her name? Trinity Valley. Uh, yeah. That's a dairy, and they have low temp pasteurized milk, but it's cream line. So it's got the the cream rises at the top. You got to shake it up and mix it up, and that stuff is delicious. Nice. For raw milk, we place in Casanova, and that's that's totally raw milk. It's like cow filtered, cooled, bottled. You take the milk, yeah, over. and that's really really good stuff. And that is nice. Juvendale out in Casanova. Oh so yeah, are, yeah, yeah. So there's I some sources that for that when you start that. <laughs> that would be fun. I just have to dive in to do it one day. I you know, yeah. but I I learned a cool trick on how to. I have a pasta roller, like the old-fashioned one, not just on your KitchenAid, but yep. I learned some trick by watching some show of these Italians making pasta in Italy, and instead of just putting a sheet through and running one sheet, laying it on your counter, they looped it over so that you make one big circle, yep. and you can keep adjusting the setting to smaller, and your 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 loop gets bigger and bigger, so you have this fluid motion of flipping your dough up and then turning the crank on your pasta roller as it goes through and you have to keep doing this crazy huge motion to do it but I totally did it you know it took me a couple of tries to get it really right but my husband was just watching in amazement <laughs> I don't I think I could do it I, I know what you're talking about I don't think I don't think I'm that coordinated <laughs> I was like oh my god I did it I was so proud of myself I was like check this out I was like, some Italian family would be so, like, proud of me right now. That's neat. <laughs> oh, man. That's neat. Yeah. Anything else you got going on over there that we should talk oh, about? Goodness. Because um, well, you've got yeah, a lot we were... going on. The charcuterie thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Because that's. So, that's my newest one. <laughs> what, what are you making? Thing. You made so duck I... prosciutto. Yes. Yeah, so it finally finished this week. And so I got to try it up. It was it's really tasty. I even um, pan fried some of it to make like crispy duck prosciutto bacon. Yep. Delicious, and isn't my, it? Yeah. My five-year-old like nearly lost his mind. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this is so delicious. I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> Enjoy, yeah. my child. Uh, yeah, so that's my start. Like, I'm starting with the duck prosciutto. Um, my husband and I went in on a cow with some friends and my, my in-laws. So we have a whole bunch of really delicious, delicious beef 
that I want to I want to dive into and mm-hmm. that's one of them. I this is not beef though, but a lawn jogger I want to make using pork. Yep. Uh, that's like a, a smoked sausage. I want to do some guanciale, which is that pork jowl. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. that stuff is like butter. Um, oh, it's great, isn't it? We had a whole class at Culinary Institute on charcuterie. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me again. And uh, we had a whole class. <laughs> I've got to start that again because I'm choking again here on that. Mm. We had a whole class at the CIA on charcuterie, and uh, we did like everything bacon. We we took up uh, uh, a pig leg and we were making prosciutto. Uh, mm. Just amazing mm-hmm. stuff. It's really fascinating stuff. So you're going to be using like what uh, it's the uh, pink number one, or is that what it's called? Pink? I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah. The, the I have cure. to get the pink number one cure yep. first. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to dive into this one without, <laughs> without too much knowledge because, you know, we got to be safe with the bacteria yeah. because we are, this is a very careful fermentation that we have to do with the meat. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, I'm taking it a little slow this time. So the duck prosciutto didn't require me to use any pink salt, but you can use it for mm-hmm. it. Um, I think it's supposed to turn out even better when you do use the pink salt. Um, but now I want to do some stuff that just uses the pink salt. So I got to mm-hmm. go back through the book I have and see what I'm going to dive into next and enjoy for myself and my family, of course. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, sure. Some of the Oh, I yeah. Used- but I worked at uh, Bellevue Country Club, and the chef there's uh, Steve Pantello. And I don't think Steve's going to hear this, and he's going to kill me. Steve was probably <laughs> the one of the most talented chefs I ever worked with. He every year he would bring in a half of a pig, and he'd butcher it. He was a phenomenal butcher, uh, and he would make. Uh, I mean, do all kinds of sausage, Italian sausage. He took the leg, hung it up. We had a spot that was perfect for curing, and it would. He'd start it in the fall. <clears throat> and it would go right through winter and into the spring. In the spring, he had, it was, you know, a leg. He made prosciutto. It was like yeah. the most delicious stuff in the world. Unbelievably delicious. Better than the stuff from Italy, as far as I'm concerned. But that's fun. It's fun stuff to do. We we made sausage here for a while. And I'd like to get back into that. But we don't eat much meat. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you're saying. It, we, we usually don't try to eat too much. But I, I have made chicken sausages before. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I really enjoyed that. I think we did like one with basil and sun-dried tomatoes, and then I did a super garlicky one for my husband, and it was pretty tasty. Yeah. yeah it's just I, really cooking for me often feels like magic. It feels or like you're some kind of like mad scientist in the basement concocting some, you know, you're like a little bit of this and a little <laughs> bit of that, and you go, yeah, yeah. Ooh, look at that. Yeah. And you know, I just I just got the book uh, uh, Salt Heat something and yeah. uh, by the uh, she's an Iranian woman. Uh, I can't remember her name. I watched her. She had that like it was like yep, salt, she, acid, fat, and, and heat. Yeah, I, I yeah, and heat. That's it. Yep. And as, she, as I'm reading reading the beginning of this book, it's like. This is all stuff I know, but I never looked at it from that perspective before. You know, mm-hmm. salt changes this, heat changes this, fat changes this, uh, acid changes this. And it's how you use those together. And once you learn the basics, you make anything. Oh, yeah. A- anything you want. And it 
she, it's a really great show. So I'm going to guess that book is going to be really great as well. She's got, she's got a really nice soulful perspective on, on things. Yeah. I got the Kindle version. Okay. And it was like three ninety nine. I think they've got it on sale for like three ninety nine. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, right. Go, go, go for the cheap one. There we go. Hey, as long as you get the information, you're yep. good. Yeah. That's fun. So are That's you going fun. to start up? Let's go back to the Fingerless Kitchen for a minute. Are you going to start up that chef challenge when you can here and do that again? Because you asked me I... to get on that and I didn't. I didn't take that opportunity. I can't remember what was going on. I was working or something. And I know well, we're always a little crazy, right? There's always something going on. I, I do. I want to get the chef challenge going, but I, you know, as everybody is seeing, we kind of have to evolve and pivot on what we're doing and how we're doing it now. I was actually starting to do speaking engagements. Um, I did a, Chef challenge with some uh, grad students from Lemoyne College, uh, their occupational therapy program. And so the idea there was to take the same thing I've done with chefs, but bring it to these students who are going to be working with people with disabilities and sure. give them the opportunity to see things maybe from their client's perspective. Mm -hmm. right when you're going to go in because they're going to help people with like adaptive kitchen equipment yep. and i don't have any adaptive kitchen equipment that's that's one thing that surprises people and it surprised mm -hmm. these students um they're always told like you're going to need these things and they're expensive and it's a big cost to people but they really were amazed that they didn't they didn't need i had 12 students who i taped up Mm -hmm. And they did, they were chopping and peeling and <laughs> garlic, grating cheese, um, peeling potatoes. And I even tried to have them open water bottles so they could drink and use yep. tongs to pick up cookies, like just normal stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they were really amazed that they could do it. Like they were just amazed that they could do it. And then trying to think about that from their client perspective, that their clients may not need those expensive tools that's going to cost them just too much that they can't already right. handle. Right. But that they can now talk to their clients about, all right, let's see if there's another way. Sure. What other way can we do this? If we already know what we can't, the world is open to what we can. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to start to speak more to people really about why I want to do this and you know, really to help people. And I also would like to do some chef challenges in maybe restaurants someday to raise money for local programs like, um, what is it, for uh, Provisions? Yep. You know, Provisions Bakery? Yeah, down in um, Armory. That's right. And it is, what is the, what is, oh my gosh, how can I blank on who this is? Um, it's changed names over the years. When I went to get services, it was Enable. Okay. Um, Arise, not arise. Um, no, I can't. Oh, I totally blanked. I knew what it was, but yep, anyway. I did. So, <laughs> um, they, I got services through this organization when I was a student uh, to help me with like learning how to type and getting a computer set up. But they, they do things for people with disabilities across the spectrum, and they mm -hmm. do have that program um, with provisions that helps people with disabilities, a lot of mental health disabilities there, um, that are running that kitchen, that are 
cooking the food that are serving um, and making all sorts of great desserts. And I really would like to start holding some events where we're doing chef challenges with chefs in front of other people. Sure. And people, and we're raising money for either local programs or programs that kind of are more national scale, just so we raise awareness, we have some fun, and we start helping people, right? We start reaching out to help people. And I'd like to start cooking with people with disabilities um, and talking about how they are adapting in the kitchen. What are their struggles? Like, and see if we can come up with any ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just have a ton of, you know, I, I, I think I want to do more than I can possibly do by myself I, right now. I, th- <laughs> I, I think I can say with a certain amount of certainty that you have, you don't lack for ideas and you don't lack no. for trying. I mean, I have never known you to not try. Every time I talk to you, it's like, wow, you, you put people that I know without disabilities to shame. <laughs> Myself included in a lot of cases. So that's yeah, you're I think very that's inspiring. the ADD. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we all have a little bit of that, right? Well, I'm I'm technically diagnosed with ADD from when I was in high school. I got tested. I, you know, oh, and my disability isn't always my hands either. So with the attention deficit disorder, I also um, was dyslexic as a child. Yeah, and Richard so Branson. Reading, yep, reading was difficult for me and it really affected my schooling and so school was a real stressful one but you know I've learned a lot on my own um Mm -hmm. for business and it works for me because I can learn at the pace that I need and not the pace the school says it wants you to do yep and so starting a business even though it is a lot and I'm still learning all the time I it's been more freeing for me to yeah. not live in the constraints of what another job tells you you have to complete things in a certain time and mm-hmm. and with the attention deficit and uh, sometimes the dyslexia, it's not always gone. I still sometimes switch things around and more stress I get, the more I switch stuff. So that's always a little test to tell me how I'm doing. But I mean, so, so people can know it's not always just my physical disability. It's things I've had to overcome as well. Um, so reading, reading has always been tough, but I've always enjoyed reading books that tell you how to do something. Yeah. Mm. And, and so I just go for it. Well, the other thing too is, you know, I've got a friend who's like, this got to happen right now. It's like, no, 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 it doesn't have to happen right now because nothing good ever happens right now. It takes time, (laughs) even though you don't might not see that, but it just takes time. And we, you know, we learn by our mistakes and by our desires. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to let those desires like fuel our, you know, our dreams, which our dreams can be turned into an actual goal. Right. So true. When you you dream it, you don't have to just dream it. You'd be like, no, let's put this down. Let's make it a goal. Like I couldn't have dreamed that I'd be where I am right now, but it was just the idea of like, Hey, well, you know what, let's use this disability Mm -hmm. to help people. And in turn, it helped me as well. Right. And, Sure. And so I, I, I'm hoping I can reach people through speaking, through chef, future chef challenges, through, you know, doing some one-on-one work with people with disabilities in the kitchen and 
I'm still collecting recipes to create a cookbook because mm-hmm. I really would like to do that. Um, and I've got some ideas on how to do it because it can't be like every other cookbook. We have to throw away that notion. Um, Those yeah, cookbooks take time too. You think it's just yep. a, just put a bunch of recipes together. They take years. Oh, I know people are like, why is your cookbook done? I'm like, you have no idea. And I'm not even a professional. Exactly. <laughs> right? even a cookbook. I was yep. like, so I've been collecting recipes, testing things out, trying to figure out how I want to do it and either try to propose a cookbook or go for it myself, you know, try to mm-hmm. publish it myself. But um, I would think that if I propose this to a publishing company, maybe they'd actually take it because nobody else has done it. Yeah. You never know. Um, you've, no, done, we're, you've, we're done, gonna... you've done an awful lot up to this point, you know, overcoming the hurdles that you have. Just like, like I said earlier, over the top, around it. But we're going to get past this. We're going to we're going to get through one way yeah. or the other, and we always do, right? It, I think people are always looking for the bottom to drop out, um, and everybody's had their fair share of things that have hurt them and that they've seen at difficult times, and so we don't always know what somebody is going through. And I I totally understand that. I lost both sure. of my parents ten months apart when I was twenty five. Wow. And then I became a legal guardian to my 15-year-old brother, and I was uh, only a newlywed. And so, and I was still going to school. And, yeah, the bottom does drop out. But, you, again, when you hit bottom, you only can go back up. Right. So that's what, that's what we do. We, we've hit bottom. We, I've, you know, we've, I've seen that loss. We've seen that pain. But, you know, here I am today. We're, we're making the best of what we got. And I can share my memories of my parents through conversations like this with you and that they were my inspiration for helping people and my inspiration for learning how to cook. And my parents always told me that, you know, if you are part of this world, then you help other people in this world. We're all in it together. We're not floating around here think like all by ourselves. This world works because we're all in it. And yep, we're, they were big. We're not, yeah, they were big. Yeah. Yeah, we're not yeah. quarks on water. No. You know? No. So. They, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I miss them terribly, but I think they would be really, really proud of, uh, you know, how I'm, how I'm turning my disability to be more than just I, I, my I'm everyday gonna, thing. I'm not going to argue that point because I think they would be very proud of you. So, so Bree, Absolutely. it's been great yeah. talking with you today. Uh, did we miss anything? Do we talk about anything? Um, I, can, I think we got everything right. I mean, I think you and I could talk all day about, food, I think honestly. we probably could. Yeah. Really <laughs> I mean, like I've got three different kinds of vanilla going downstairs in my basement. It's like, yep. what is, I got the Madagascar, uh, Indonesian. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, wait, what was the other one? Madagascar and uh, Tahitian. <laughs> Tahitian, yes, you remember. Um, yeah. I, you know, for people, if they want to find me, they can go to my website, thefingerlesskitchen.com. We'll put that in the show notes, yep. Yep, they've got uh, my Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> YouTube. I've we'll send them over. Still, uh, yep, yeah. I've still got a lot of stuff that I haven't posted yet, like some speaking engagements that I've already done. Um, so, you know, there's more to come. I've been working on stuff, but just my kids have been my focus during this whole 
pandemic time, um, making sure that they have some sense of normalcy in their life and, yep. um, and can find, um, what is it? Well, of course now I'm lost for words, but <laughs> I, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to keep them, keep their education, keep them engaged, keep them feeling connected and their resiliency. That's it. You know, I, I'm trying to continue to foster their resiliency and that there's life beyond this, even though that this is difficult for everybody at this time. Yeah. And so right now this is everybody's limitation, right? Everybody's got this limitation and we are finding a way. Right. We'll get through it somehow. We always do. Great, Bree. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Bree forgot one thing, so we're back. What is it, Bree? Okay, I just want to remind everybody out there who's listening, if you think you're all thumbs in the kitchen, I'm here to prove that you never needed them. Terrific. And with that, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Bree. Bye. Well, that wraps up this show. I don't know about you, but I find Bree is just an amazing person and very inspirational. Go to her website, thefingerlesskitchen.com. Check out the blog. She's got some amazing posts on there. What she does is truly inspirational. You just have to check it out. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back with another show soon. Bye-bye.